Everybody happy today? Happy to see you. I'm glad you are here. This is the time for our light to shine. And by that, I don't mean the one o'clock service, but I mean the time in our world, which is, you know, beyond what many of us could have even thought. Uh, it's time for us to shine bright. In other words, the darker things are, the, the, the brighter our light appears, right? So it's not time to shy away or cower back, but to step forward in faith and say, Lord, shine through me. Show people what it means to love. What, amen. Show people what it means to have a relationship with you. We are needed. Our world needs us right now. Okay, our world needs you. Praise God. All right. Uh, did, uh, did you guys, uh, did everybody have your phone with you? Yeah. Got your phone? Anybody have the coolest phone like I do? No? <laughs> Thanks for your confession of sin. <laughs> if you, the reason I ask is if you haven't already done so, if you would, uh, we, help, we reach the world when you can go to Facebook or YouTube and share the live service. We're live right now all around the world, and, and we see people watching from all over the country and other countries. And the more you can get that out there, if you could go there now and just share it, like it, say hi, subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel. All that stuff helps to push what we're doing around the world. And, and of course, locally, more people see it on their feeds. So uh, we do see salvations as a result of us doing this. So if this is not some futile effort, uh, it really produces real life results. Think about that. Someone could go in heaven because you clicked share. Someone could go to heaven because you said, Pastor Mark is preaching really good today. <laughs> All right, appreciate everybody doing that, and uh, I want to get into some word here today. If you do have a Bible with you or have a Bible app on your phone, then go ahead and get that out, and uh, I trust you come to church expecting to get something. I mean, if I go to a restaurant and I don't end up full, you know, or with food, you know, I'm like disappointed. I came to this restaurant, I didn't even get any food. If I come to church and don't get spiritual sustenance and increase in learning and experience the power of God, I'm walking out thinking, what am I doing here, man? Yeah, yeah so we come expecting, so we have an intersection with the power of God in our lives. I, I started a series last week, new teaching, uh, because it's summer. Now, I know you can't tell by the temperature, but it is summer. And, uh, and I like to just, you know, really get into some good nitty-gritty stuff and take believers to a deeper level. Um, it might, that might seem like a contrary statement to my title, because the title is Healing Basics, all right? Uh, when I say Healing Basics, it's no, by no means just a childish message or just an elementary. It is, but it's also, uh, I don't know, there's, there's depth to it as well. Let me just say it, say it that way. Healing Basics. I know that having a foundation of faith for healing will save us a lot of sick days in this life. And potentially, it will save your life, okay? This could enable you to live out the full, the full length of days while here on the earth. So I think it's important. And uh, we all know it's going to be great in heaven, okay? I'm going to be in heaven just like many of you. I hope everybody, but, you know, I'm going, whether you go or not. Um, and in heaven, obviously, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more pain. That's not going to be in existence for any of us. So we all have that in our future. Nevertheless, I'm not in heaven right now, are you? I mean, physically, I'm still 
on planet earth and my body sometimes aches and my body sometimes yells at me if I kick it and, you know, uh, and so I need to know how to, how to access the power of God for, for health sus- sustainingness, okay, <laughs> uh, in this life. I need to learn about God's healing power so I can live long and, and, and not live on the couch, <laughs> you know, laid out on the couch, you know, lay, laid up in bed, and, and thank God he has much to say about this. One of the challenges we face, that I face as a, as a pastor and as a teacher is uh, there is a, a lack of knowledge concerning the subject, but it's many times not just an absence of knowledge, it's people's hearts and minds have been filled with uh, contrary knowledge. Okay, it's not like a blank sheet of paper, and here we go, let's fill it up with godly words and thoughts. No, it's, it's often beliefs, teaching, thinking, whether it come from church or experience, wherever it came from, but it's filled with stuff that's opposite of what I'm telling you today, okay? And if that's, your, if that's you, if you are in that position, I understand it. I was there before, uh, but you might have a little extra work, okay? Get out your shovel, get there in the root, and mm, yeah. all right, get under there. Let's pull that thing out and plant some better, some better plants and trees and flowers and healing stuff, okay? <laughs> and so, uh, Amen. Some of, the, some of the things that get written on people's page, if you will, are beliefs like this. You know, sickness is a part of God's mysterious plan. You can't understand why you don't like it, but you just have to trust that God's working out his plan. See, if that's on your page, I want to encourage you to erase it, crumple it up, throw it away. Give place for something new. Uh, there, are, there are beliefs. I've heard this one before. And it's popular because it sounds kind of cool. God has a purpose for your pain. You know how it has purpose and pain? You know, it almost sounds like that should be a scripture. But it's not a scripture. That's the thing. I know even some people take comfort in the fact they've gone through some hard things. And so they think, oh, well, if there was a divine purpose in this, then that, you know, brings some level of comfort. But what if it, was, what if it wasn't God's purpose? What if it was the enemy just trying to wreck, you, wreck your life? Okay, and so uh, there, there are those types of belief systems. Um, there's the belief that God sometimes says yes, and sometimes he says no, and sometimes he just ignores you altogether because he can. I mean, don't, don't, aren't there people that believe that? You know, they say God is the one who ignores you when you pray. People believe that. They think that God doesn't hear them. And that's, that this, this, these belief systems hinder us from experiencing God's best. Uh, I told you last week in this series that one of the things I want to do is teach the truth, but then also blow away contrary teaching, okay? I've been around long enough as a, as a Christian myself. Um, I had people ask me questions before I knew the answers, and I sat, I sat there and said, hmm, I do not know the answer to that question, but then having been in ministry a long time, I've heard most questions, I think, not all, but I've heard most questions regard to healing uh, of, uh, from people who said, yeah, but what about, yeah, but what about this, but what about this, and how come this happened, and how come this didn't happen? And, and most of those um, questions have very easy answers, okay? Let me equip you for a moment with the thought process that usually undermines faith in God for healing. It, it kind of goes like this. Someone will find an individual in here or maybe a couple, that 
suffered sickness or disease or they died. Died early, you know what I mean. Everyone dies, but died early. And so they'll tell their story. While telling it, they will imply that that is the way God wanted it to be, that that was God working out his, his will. Then what you do is, I'm telling you how to do this if you want to mess someone up. You grab a few suffering scriptures, even from the New Testament, right? And you imply that suffering is synonymous with sickness, disease, and hardship like that, not taking the context in, in consideration, which reveals it's usually persecution. But you just kind of say suffering, and you're saying it in the context of someone having a disease, so everyone interprets it that way. So then they're saying people versus, yeah, this is real. Then you add in a story of someone who got really close to God while they were on their back in a hospital bed. And so then it's real life. Oh, yeah, I can see how God uses this, and this is, this is one of his ways. Blah! <laughs> see, you can make the Bible say anything you want it to by pulling verses here and there and adding in some, uh, you know, some personal experience. I want to get down to the nitty-gritty and say, is that really the way God is? And we saw last week that Jesus didn't teach that way. He didn't treat people that way. He never gave those answers. Okay. At the same time, one of the challenges we have is when people see this book as just one big collection of statements of verses, like they're all the same. You know what I mean? Genesis, Exodus, you know, uh, the, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, you know, the poetry books, the, uh, the New Testament, life of Jesus, the letters to the churches. It's just all Bible. And we can take anyone in any order at any time and we'll just treat it all like it's exactly the same. See, that's not the way to understand this. That's the way to be confused. There is a really major event that separates Scripture. Major event. You know what it is? It's called the death of Jesus on the cross. It's called his sacrifice for our sins. That changes everything. I can't just pull randomly verses from before that event and apply them as if that event did not affect how God relates to me. There's more than one covenant. And if you, if you don't understand there's an old covenant and a new covenant and God relates to people differently based on his promises and on the sacrifice of Jesus, it's real easy to get confused. All right, so we're gonna do our best to rightly divide the word of truth to say things the way they really are. And you look for yourself, of course. You're, you're all grown up and, uh, and, and you're responsible for God to believe um, correctly yourself. We always want to start with clear scriptures and then interpret others in their light, not the other way around. Okay, start with what's straightforward. It's, you'd have to have experts to help you misunderstand it, right? Then from there you interpret the other passages. Today, I want to show you something you, you may or may not have thought about before, but there are two words that I have found are connected in Scripture again and again and again. Those two words are healing and forgiveness. Healing and forgiveness. What we often do is separate these as two completely different, unrelated subjects, We'll speak one way about forgiveness and then change all the rules and speak completely different about healing. 
And I'm saying, is that right? Is that the way we're supposed to think about this? Uh, and so, again, I want to go to the Word of God to find, to find out, but it's not a rare event that these things are mentioned t- together, okay? We know that in the beginning, sickness came as a result of sin. So you can, you can just go to Genesis and find the connection. Sin, sickness, and disease did not exist prior to sin being in, in the world. Even today, we can readily see that many times sicknesses are still connected to sinfulness. Sometimes we can even see it super clear. Not all times can we draw the line and make the connection in a a real practical way, but sometimes you can. For for example, um, can you see that sometimes we can understand that people are born with physical challenges and problems, and the reason for those is because the mother, while being, while pregnant, was abusing drugs or alcohol or putting certain things in her body. Haven't, haven't uh, scientists and medical people been able to show that connection? Okay, so we shouldn't be confused about that. <gasps> you know, people have told me before, this is one of those questions that have come uh, about God's will and God's desire for people to be healed. They say, well, what about when someone's born with a problem? I say, that's no different. That doesn't mean God wanted it to be that way. I, I understand we can't always figure out why it happened. We don't always know the reason, but sometimes we do. Sometimes you can say, oh, yeah, this causes this, and, you know, that's not on God, right? You can see that there are diseases that get transferred sexually, and when someone lives an immoral sexual life, how I many know oh, they're way more apt to contract those type of things? Are we going to say, God, why did you do that? <laughs> nope, that was you. Right? I, mean, I realize we don't always understand why things came and so forth, but sometimes we do. And we can certainly see the connection with sin and sickness. Yeah? Even uh, there are medical studies today. I've use them in previous teachings, but that show that most disease is connected to worry. Isn't that amazing? I don't understand why this happened. Well, again, I know sometimes we don't know specifically and if that was the case, but when you see these studies that say like 90% of all illnesses and diseases are a result of of emotional conditions, stress and worry and fear, that that's a breeding ground for problems. And you don't have to be a Christian. Secular people, call, they recognize that. Okay? So I'm just saying less of this is a mystery than we really, really give on to. You know, we say, I don't understand. Well, maybe you do. But for sure we can see that in a general sense, sickness and disease, they go to, uh, sickness and sin go together. And from Scripture, I'll show you in a sec, the opposite is the case as well. Healing and forgiveness go, go together. Healing and forgiveness. So I need healed. Maybe you need forgiven (laughs) or need to understand it. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians. Did I tell you to go there? I I intended to. Intentions are worthy of something, aren't they? (laughs) I meant to get you a gift for your birthday. What? You didn't get it? Oh, man. Post office. (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 11. What? I slapped you? I didn't mean to. <laughs> your, your, your face just was in the way. <laughs> All 
All right, first, first Corinthians 11. In this passage, okay, uh, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth to basically set them straight about how they were doing communion or the Lord's Supper is called. Remember, you drink the cup, eat the bread, represents the body and blood of the Lord. They were doing that and they were doing it in a wrong way. They were not considerate of one another. They were, you know, again, you can read it about people getting drunk, about people eating too much while others were going hungry. He said, you're basically not walking in love towards another. And, and in verse 29, so you know the context now, he, he said, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, unworthy manner is different than unworthy, like your, like your, your condition with God. When you get saved, you're worthy. He makes you holy, washes you clean, so you're worthy. But an unworthy manner, manner is a behavior. I mean, no, a worthy person can still do things in an unworthy manner. Yeah, he said, uh, uh, he who drinks, eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats, uh, drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Okay, so this is, notice, not just a few, many people are weak, they're sick, and they die early, he said, this is why it happens, because of their un eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. So we could say sin, unworthy manner, is tied to weakness, sickness, and premature death. Sleeping, it would be the words for, that would be premature death, okay? Sin, sin is connected to it. Basically, what they were doing, as I mentioned, is they weren't treating each other right, yeah, they weren't walking in love. They weren't treating each other with respect and honor and so forth. And that by itself, especially connected to the, the holy activity of communion, was setting them up to die young. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that wild? I kind of think sometimes uh, that maybe some of us, when we arrive in heaven, you know, like before our, we're supposed to, <laughs> like early before we finished our life, that someone's going to look at it, maybe someone you know, because they'll razz you. I hope we can razz each other in heaven. Uh, but they'll say, well, what are you doing here already? You had one job. You know what that one job is? It's love. Isn't that what, what Jesus revealed? All the commandments are summed up in just this one. Right. And so let's step up our game and say, let's love, let's forgive, let's not remain angry. How I many a lot of angry people in the world today? Don't let that get in you. You resist that. Don't be offended at people. Don't be bitter because all that is an open door for bad things to work in your life. We love, we forgive, we embrace. Come on, we, we have to be this way and do this and he tied it. You treat other people wrong, you're opening the door for weakness, sickness, and death in your life. Yeah, anybody need to forgive someone right now? Just kind of time out. Can we just take a break? Walk across the room, sorry. <laughs> I'm joking and not, you know, because if you, I'm not saying look for something that's not there or try to dig up a problem that doesn't exist, but, but if something is, if you are knowledgeable of this, that you're angry, you're, you're, you're a bitter or you're offended or anything, that will eat your lunch. And it does open the door for the enemy to, to, to mess with you. All right, go to James, if you would. Right turn. If you know him personally, you call him, might call him Jim. Jim chapter 5. Sometimes when I go to the gym, my wife says, are you going to the James? Okay, that's a different play on words. <laughs> and sometimes she says, 
uh, say hi to James for me. And I'll say, he doesn't know you. (laughs) Why doesn't he know her? Because she doesn't go. (laughs) Okay, in James, he's teaching there about how to deal with certain problems the last one being sickness. He says, you know, if anyone's sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, so forth. And he talks to them about the remedy for sickness. And in verse 15, James 5, 15, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Save the sick means heal the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. What are you doing, James? You can't act like healing the sick and forgiving of sins goes together. Or can he? He did. Get healed and you get forgiven. It's in the same verse. And the next verse does it again. 16, confess your trespasses to one another. Trespasses are sins. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So here again, we see that forgiveness and healing are tied together. Yeah. Now, I realize it raises a logical question. Some might wonder, does that mean if I'm sick that I've sinned? Well, first of all, back up for a moment. Aside from any sickness, let me just remind everyone, you have sinned. I have sinned. We all have sinned. That's not, that shouldn't be in question here. Do you mean I've done something wrong? Yes, you've done something wrong. Sick or not, you've done something wrong. That's why we all go to the Lord for forgiveness and for restoration and for healing and salvation because we have all sinned. Okay, so I don't want to pretend. You know, there's something wrong with me and I haven't done anything wrong. Well, yes, you have, you proud thing. We've all done stuff wrong. But the question then logically goes to, okay, is my physical pain tied to a specific sin that I've committed? Not automatically. You cannot read Scripture and say, everyone who is sick, they've got sin in their life. No, that's not, that's not, not the case. However, the fact that he puts these things together, confess your trespasses, pray for one another that you'll be healed, it does reveal to me that my physical problems may very well be connected to my actions, to my behaviors and my wrongdoing. And he said, the way to get it out of you is first you fix the relational problem, then you get the healing. Uh, Now understand, I'm not implying or saying for a second that when I do wrong, God's will for my health, it changes. That is not in flux. That is not changing from day to day. But my receptivity of what he offers might be in flux. And sometimes I need to fix something in here so that I am open to receiving the things I want and desire. That's why he said, you got a problem with with people? Go make it right. Confess to, 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 to each other. Right? How many know you don't have to confess necessarily? This is not like, you know, if anyone's ever been Catholic, you know, where you confess to the priest. He's not, I'm not going to confess something. Hey, I was having a bad thought over here and I just wanted to tell you about it. It's like, don't burden anyone with that. But if I did you wrong, if I said something wrong, treated you wrong, was 
I need to, I need to work that out with you. I can get forgiveness from God in a second. But he's saying, you got to get that right with each other. When you don't get that right, it affects your, your connection with God. One day, Jesus was ministering in the pool of Bethesda, and there's a guy who was lame there, and he couldn't walk, and, and he got healed. And then Jesus ran into him later, and he said something very interesting that reemphasizes this point. point. It's in John 5, 14. It reads, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So why did Jesus connect sin or the absence of it to something bad happening to him? There were probably details that we're unaware of, but that guy had some sin, active sin in his life. It wasn't just like because everyone has sinned. I know that. He had something going on in his life that was going to open the door for his life to really go south. And he got healed. He said, it's going to be worse unless you change. Isn't that interesting? And so there is a connection here. I know uh, it's more than healing. Jesus even taught in Matthew 5 about bringing an offering to the Lord. You you ever read that? Uh, Put that up on the screen if you would. In Matthew 5, he talked about bringing an offering. and, And he said... Yep. He said, afterward, Jesus found, no, next one, here we go. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, roll it, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come offer the gift. Okay, that might seem inconvenient. Here I am. In church, with my offering, can't I just give it now? Offering is a form of worship to God, right? Can't I just bring this to you? The Lord said, no, don't do it that way. That's the wrong order. He said, why don't you just leave it here? Go fix the problem with your brother if you can, right? And then come back and do it. Maybe you've been uh, troubled or upset or angry at the other people or the things in the world or you watch the news too much. And, uh, and it makes you, it fires you up, and you're angry. You say, I just need to get in church and worship God. Yeah, but maybe you should fix some things and then worship God, because it'll go a lot better. Jesus said, don't just bring the offering. You might think, well, the math is the same. I'm bringing my money. What's the difference if I do it with a right heart or if I'm mad at somebody? Jesus said, it does make a difference. Because how many know it's not just about our outward activity? It's about the intentions of our heart. It's about our relationship with God. And I'm telling you, your offering is connected to it. Your healing is connected to it. We can see again and again in Scripture, forgiveness and healing go together. Yeah, apparently forgiveness and giving a good offering go together too. I just messed everybody up, huh? Say, can I get all my offerings back this year and re-give them? I'm going to go fix some things and then bring them to All right, the Lord will probably give you credit if you'll just do it now. He's so merciful. <laughs> He's merciful to all of us. But our relationships with people can hinder our relationship with God, so we want to fix those first. Um, and again, God's will doesn't change for our lives, for our healing, but our receptivity may, might be changing, okay? Let me have you turn to one more. Uh, Luke chapter 5. So left turn, if you find the book of Mark, then you went too far. Luke is right after Mark. Luke, (laughs) I am your father. 
All right, different Luke. Although this Luke could probably walk in the sky. <laughs> it's third service. You got to know, I, you know, we're just, we're just loose and free and fun. And that's why some of you come to this service because it's the best one. I might be a little stiffer in the other services, but here we're just having a good time and God's moving. Amen. <laughs> okay. In Luke 5, Jesus was teaching in a house. All right. Pharisees were there, religious leaders, the scribes and so forth were there and they're all skeptical of everything he says, but they packed the house and he's in there teaching. And then there's this other guy who was crippled, he lame, he couldn't walk and his friends brought him to the, to the Jesus meeting and they couldn't get in because it was so packed, so they went up on the roof, tore the tiles off, and dropped him down, okay, right in front of Jesus. That's what's happening, and we want to read verse 20. Uh, when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. Your what? Your sins are forgiven you. That might seem like a strange statement because the guy obviously needs, obviously needs healing, not forgiveness. I mean, wouldn't you go there? The guy's crippled, and you say, your sins are forgiven. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You know, go to the gas station, you're almost out of gas, and someone brings you out a bottle of water. I mean, I need gas, not water, right? Uh, uh, he needed healing, not forgiveness, or did he need forgiveness? Why did Jesus put that first? He didn't always put that first with everybody. In this case, the guy drops in front of him, and he says, your sins are forgiven. And you could say, well, he was wanting to mess with the religious people, and he did. But I wonder this, maybe the guy was feeling guilty, he was feeling condemned. He was feeling unworthy. He was shameful, shamed about his condition, that there was something wrong with him. How many know that's a hindrance to receiving from God? This is one of the reasons why healing and forgiveness go together. When you receive forgiveness and you know, you're fine, you're good, you're clean, you're in the clear, God loves you, you can have anything he offers you. Really? Yeah. Then healing can flow. Amen. Amen. And so you can see how these can go together. And, and Jesus dealt with the inward part of this guy and said, man, your sins are forgiven. Wow, really? I'm clear? I'm good? And then he could get healed. But verse 21, the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took what, had been, what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Yeah. Well, hold on a minute. What does Jesus think he's doing here? Acting like healing and forgiveness are like the same thing. What nerve. Acting like healing is just as easy as forgiveness, and forgiveness is just as easy as healing. We know better, don't we? Come on, we know. Forgiveness is easy, and healing's hard. Come on, we know that, don't we? We know our doctrine is better than Jesus. Forgiveness, that's easy. You can get that quick. Anyone can have that. But healing, oh, that's another subject. Keep that in a separate box because that's totally different. Apparently, Jesus didn't have our 
advanced doctrines, did he? Everybody say it out loud with me. Say healing and forgiveness are both easy. One is not more difficult than the other. When I can see things this way from God's perspective, healing will never be a problem for me again. We make healing hard and forgiveness easy, and so we quickly receive healing and struggle to receive, uh, quickly receive forgiveness and struggle to receive healing. Do you know verse 17 of this? We didn't read it. It says there, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. To heal who? But say them, not him. Power of the Lord wasn't present to heal him. It was present to heal them. Do you know who didn't get healed? Them. And who did get healed? Him. There was enough power there for everybody to get their healing, but only one guy got it. Amen. Someone said, Jesus didn't heal them all. (laughs) Yeah, there were times like this. He was ready to go. I mean, bring it on. And they were skeptical nitpicking at every word he said. How can he say that? I don't believe that. What is he talking about? Forgiveness of sins. And they're nitpicking. And they didn't get their healing. They walked in with pain. They limped in and limped out. And the one guy, boom, laid hold of the healing power of God. What if you had a friend that that, uh, needed to be forgiven? What if you had a friend that said, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I need to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Uh, Would you put them off because of an uncertainty about whether God would forgive them? Would you say, well, you know, slow down, slow down. We got to discern the Lord's will here. We don't know if, if God really wants to forgive you. Or maybe you would pray for them. And pray a good salvation prayer, forgiveness over their sins. And then at the end, you'd tack on, Lord, but if it be thy will. In other words, if it's not, don't forgive them. Let them go to hell. But if it is, would you do that? Would you plant any seed of, of doubt within them regarding their forgiveness? Would you tell them, you know, sometimes when you ask the Lord to forgive you, Your forgiveness does not show up for a while. You should be ready. It could be a couple months out before you actually get forgiven. Would you you tell them that? (laughs) Would you call everyone you know? Say, hey, my friend Bob, he wants to be saved. He wants to be forgiven of his sins. He's ready to do it. We got to get everybody to pray because I want this to work. We got to get everybody, call everyone you know, post it. This is urgent. Bob wants saved. And I don't want to take a chance that it doesn't work. We think, we would think that's silly. Why would you say that? You don't have to make it so hard. Just have him pray. He'll be forgiven right there on the spot. Are you sure about that? You sure it's that easy? Have you ever been in a church service where someone received salvation? Maybe here. Um, And people came and we led them in a a salvation prayer, said, say this after me. 
And they received eternal life. And everyone in the church was just kind of really rooting for him and hoping that this time it would take. We're really praying and striving so they would really be forgiven. You remember that? How, how we do that here? And then after they, when they leave, we ask them, did it work? Did you get it? Did you really get saved? Did you really get forgiven? And we question them on it. And do we do that? Or do we all kind of act like it works every time? Without much striving, without much effort, people receive salvation. And we, as, soon as, they, as soon as they say amen, we all shout. We cheer. We're, woo, glory to God, another one. He's in. It's, he's saved. Right? How dare you act like you just know it worked? <laughs> in fact, if, if, if someone like that says to us, uh, you know, am I really saved? I mean, am I really forgiven? We say, yes, for sure it worked. You're safe. Well, how do I know? I still feel, I still feel the same. It doesn't matter how you feel. We will tell them it doesn't matter how you feel. It worked. God said it. You did it. Done. You're saved. You're going to heaven forever. You're forgiven. You're a new creation in Christ. If they question us in this, sorry, I'm spitting. If you, if you question them, if, if they question us in the slightest, we do everything we can to dispel all doubt. No, you are accepted. You are loved. You're a new creation in Christ. We don't want them to have one iota of doubt about their experience. Right? But then healing comes up. You ever been in a service where someone said, you know, I have cancer, been diagnosed with cancer, serious business? Or someone is, you know, physically impaired. Maybe they're limping or can't walk or some kind of physical thing. And we say, hey, we're going we're gonna to believe God with them for their healing. We're going to pr pray for them. And everyone gets, you know, we got to get revved up and stretch out our hands. And people pray in tongues. And we're doing everything we can because healing's hard. Forgiveness, we just act like it works. What? You did it? You accepted it? You said it? Good. You're in. You're cool. You're saved. Which one of these is more difficult? Now, listen, if you're talking about us and our power, I would have to say, I can't pull either one of those off. I can't save you, and I can't heal you. So they're both impossible. I can't give someone eternal life. Right? But if it's God, and since both of those have to come from God, which one's more difficult for him to make someone a new creation? Make their spirit born again or for him to heal their bodies. It's God Almighty. He barely has to lift a finger. And if that is really the case, that they are equally simple for God, then I just need to get that perspective in my mentality. And stop thinking, well, I can lead you in a salvation prayer, but healing, that's a whole other ball game right there. That's something difficult. We need to really call a lot of people. Get on every prayer chain, right? Get a lot of people praying because this one's serious. This one's life or death. Come on, man. Being saved is life or death. If either one of those is a bigger thing, it's salvation. Okay, so here we go. This is salvation. 
And this is healing. If, I mean, they're both easy. You understand from the scripture. But if we had to compare, this is a bigger miracle. Because this is forever. Healing is temporary. You can live a long, you can live a healthy life and you're still going to die. But I think what we do is we think, oh yeah, forgiveness. Here you go. Boop. Easy. Here you go. Boom. Oh, healing. I'm going to need some people. We're going to need lots of people on this. Say, is it wrong to get other, one, other people to help you get healed? No, but the reason we do that is because it is a big thing in our head. Let me give you one last verse. You guys are doing great, staying long. I, I preach longer in the service I'm most tired in because <laughs> of the pull. Here's, here's one more. I haven't given you all the scriptures. I haven't even given you, given you the main scriptures on this subject, really. What I would consider primary verses in the Bible on this subject, I didn't even give them to you. I may give them to you next week. But I'll give you one more, one more side scripture. It's Psalm 103, verse 2 and 3. We'll put it on the screen. You can save your time if you want. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He said, don't forget about him. What are they? Who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases. And there we go again. God inspiring writer after writer after writer to talk about healing and forgiveness in the same breath. And if we separate them and say, oh, this one's easy and this one's hard, we are doing disservice to the Bible, to God. We are, making, we are taking our doubt and unbelief and imposing it on a subject that a lot of people need help in. Let's just keep them together. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He forgives me and washes me clean. And he sustains my body for the length of my days here on the earth. Easy, easy, easy. I would use that word regularly, especially if you've built it up in your head. And I think we've all done that on some level. We've built it up because pain is pain. And we think hard. I know I'm forgiven, but healing. Stop it. Easy. Easy. Come on, easy. It's easy. Easy. Do you need to remind your spouse? Easy. Ah, it hurts. Easy. We got to get it easy because we're not the healer. He's the healer, and it's easy. Jesus said uh, that he casts spirits out, demons out with the finger of God. So the, the biggest, ugliest, hairiest demon, how did Jesus get him out? The finger of God went And then yet we got these problems that are so big. Oh, that's hard. They're not. Amen. Can we really treat these things as if they're the same or similar? God did. If he did, I'm going to say, I should probably do that too. I should probably adjust my thinking to be like his. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us.